720 WGN. Thanks for joining us. You probably heard us talking about the off-duty Alaska Airlines pilot yesterday, or I'm sure it's come across your feed or you saw it on the news. This is the person who was charged with attempted murder after trying to shut down the plane's engines. Steve reported earlier today that it has now been shown that he was high. He was on mushrooms, of all things. This a, is According to court documents filed, uh, that's what the prosecutors are alleging. And do they call it high, or do they call it hallucinating, or do they call it tripping? They or? said, well, they didn't call it tripping. They said he was uh, on psychedelic, he had taken psychedelic mushrooms. Holy smokes. Uh, not what you want your pilot to be doing. Here's audio from the cockpit yesterday. Yeah, just uh, give you a heads up. We've got the uh, guy that tried to shut the engines down uh, out of the cockpit, um, and he doesn't sound like he's causing any issue in the back right now. I think he's the dude. Other than that, uh, yeah, we want law enforcement as soon as we get on the ground and park. The threat is now in the back of the airplane, uh, so we're, we're reduced on the threat level. Uh, uh, we're going to check in with the flight attendant to make sure everything is running smoothly, but it seems like he's settled down as soon as he, uh, after one moment of going uh, a little bit overboard, uh, we put him in the back. So. Escalated to a four. Uh, for his, he's out of the cockpit now. He's uh, handcuffed and he's in the aft jump seat when law enforcement arrives. And uh, right now he's uh, staying calm. That's audio from the cockpit. Obviously, that audio was released yesterday. It didn't happen yesterday. Dennis Tager is our guy. We always reach out to Dennis. He's a spokesperson for Allied Pilots Association. You've got to think this is the craziest story you've heard about in your career, I would imagine, just like we feel. It's just nutty, isn't it? Well, it's a tough one, but i got to hand it to those two pilots. And there's two pilots up there for a multitude of reasons. Some talk of just bringing it down to one. But those two pilots averted uh, absolute tragedy. Um, so uh, compliments to them, the flight attendants who ensured that that threat was was secure in the back. And, uh, um, yeah, I can't imagine other than those pilots, I can tell by their transmission, were going through the checklist, the procedures, the training. So, uh, well, we're going to probably focus on the the perpetrator. Um, We cannot lose sight that uh, the system caught this and uh, two pilots made a difference uh, um, the day before last. Yeah, absolutely. Dennis, they said they would... Uh, rated a four is there there's a scale of security issues or danger issues when you're a pilot uh we're trained and it's a um a sensitive space and i'm not allowed to talk in great detail but i can assure you that uh what they uh relayed uh is the highest level of threat to the airplane it doesn't take anybody to uh um, know any uh deeper information and know that it's about protecting the flight deck and that was obviously um, through a different platform penetrated. So, uh, um, and just just to know that everybody, including the air traffic controllers, was executing their training, and every pilot out there knows uh, what that training is. And um, as tough as it was to listen to this, uh, being there in the foxhole with them, I had this swell of great job, guys. You yeah. did it. But, doing what we're supposed to do. Dennis, not everyone was following their training. I mean, that pilot certainly had been trained as well. And uh, just explain for us, if you would, how it is that he 
came to be in that in that jump seat? I mean, it's a it's a related airline, but would those pilots have known each other? Would he just have presented credentials, or how does it work that uh, someone can perhaps unknown to the pilots uh, be in the cockpit? Well, it, it is never anybody unknown on the flight deck. You know, that comes through the captain. I'm the captain on the seven thirty seven American, and uh, there's strict uh, uh, not just protocol but procedures for security. So uh, who's going to sit up on the, on the flight deck is uh, scrutinized heavily right on down to the moment. So long story short, though, we're finding out more details. I know you highlighted some of it uh, supposedly through court documents. Um, the pilot that was involved in this, and we know from, from the federal government, you know, this is not a global effort. It was an individual who had come undone under what, whatever reason. Um, what supposedly this, this taking of uh, um, illicit drugs, the psychedelics, if that is in fact true, is it combating some other mental health issue? Um, we're going to find all that out. I mean, we watch the papers just like everybody else, but um, that know that that jump seat, that's a critical part of our safety machinery. A pilot on that jump seat, while they may be getting a ride to get to work or to get back home, there are myriad of incidents that have happened that have been the difference between serious events and it just being handled is a jump seater seeing that you call it back of the scene. You're away from the actual event. And uh, I brief my jump seaters all the time. Listen, if you see something, say something. You yeah. tend to see to see more than we do. So it's a lot of words to say it's an important, critical safety measure to have that extra pilot up there when it's afforded to us. And they're only up there if there are no seats in back. No, and, yeah. Uh, look, I no. mean, I'm not being critical I, and I, I'm, at all. I'm not. I'm just... I'm hoping to get a further understanding. I mean, is it likely that the pilots knew by face or by name this the the jump seat pilot before, or were they said we've got a pilot for Alaska Air who's on board who needs a seat? Can you put him up there? I mean, I'm just you know again, Dennis. I'm not trying to say anyone did anything bad here. I'm just trying to understand how well they might have known each other, or how it was that the pilot gets there. Oh, great, great question. Not not no offense taken. Uh, we want to know more about this. Now, it's possible the pilots didn't even know them. I get jump seaters on my aircraft that I've never met before, but their credentials are checked. They have to be an active pilot. They've gone through it. The, the gate agents actually screen through that. Then they have to meet, uh, um, you know, my approval to go on. So um, I, I don't have any more information on this situation, but, um, yeah, I can jump seat on other airlines. It's something that's been in the business for as long as the business has been around. Um, but the checks are done. Um, clearly, if there's somebody on your jump seat and something is not uh, seem right, um, I, as captain, can say, hey, we're going we're gonna to have to just uh, take a break here and, and, and address this. And then would, So, Dennis, you know. he attempted to shut down the plane's engines. If he succeeded, would the two pilots in control have been able to fire them back up and stay at the altitude where they were? Well, fortunately, we don't, we don't have to have uh, talked about that. Uh, yes, you can restart engines. It's not just that simple, though. It's a lot of distraction, and who knows what else would be going on on a flight deck. It's enough to handle a dual-engine flameout, as we call it. In this case, it's, it's induced by this attack. Um, but it, it's, it's not, uh, uh, yeah, just turn them back on. We're good to go. Okay. Fortunately, the pilots were able to take quick action and restore what the, other, what the jump seater had done. And the engines never took a break in service. And those switches they pulled, they cut off the fuel and everything. So it had to be seconds that these two pilots not only combated this individual, but restored the airplane before something worse happened. And that is why he is facing attempted murder charges. 
I, I'm not an attorney, but I'm sure that that's why it makes sense. There's uh, 80 plus people on board, 83, whatever it was. Each of those individuals was, was under threat of loss of life in that. And it doesn't take uh, an attorney to figure that out or a pilot. Um, it's a very serious event. Well, I think that you started out this conversation by saying this is the exact reason why we should always have two pilots on every flight. Are we in danger of losing that at some point? Uh, there are those who are exploring that. Um, it's, it's, you know, we all know technology is, is advancing, but what, what those folks who are look, interested in the commercial interest, one less pilot, hey, it's one less person to pay and we have a shortage of them, um, think that this is the solution. There's more than just monitoring the system and the computer that pilots are doing when uh, flying the aircraft. We are there as double layers of safety and security, and we've got it all on the line just like our passengers. So those who are trying to push that um, and showing us sci-fi movies and the surreal activity of computer uh, technology, um, stand back because there are things that computer can't think of, and two human beings up there can make the difference between, I'll be blunt, life and death. And you know what? I applaud everyone for the transparency because they have been forthright with all of the details about what happened. And I think that gives us another level of comfort saying, all right, they're being on the up and up with us. And obviously the man did have a mental break, uh, even to choose to do psychedelics um, in that position means that you are, you, you know, you're in a situation you yeah, should be I, in. And if I may, you hit on something that's really important in this. Is in fact, obviously, it mentally came undone momentarily over a period of time. The mental fitness for pilots, this is one of those things that the FAA has not taken enough action on and supporting. Fortunately, unions like my union, APA, and American Airlines, we have a gold standard for pilots to reach out if they're going through some issues and they need a place to go. But most pilots are just worried to death about, am I not going to be able to fly and not be able to provide for my family? And when you're in a, in a mental crisis or building to one, if you don't get help early on, um, the consequences are really serious. And I'm not saying it's something like this, but I mean, at a personal level. So uh, the SA has stepped out of the 60s and jumped into the 90s. We've got to keep pulling them along um, because it's, it's just not the mental that's up there. It's the people that keep this safe. So um, we've got a lot of work to do. Um, and we're, we're going to make sure that we're not just looking at this. You know, we're not just machines up there. So... Post-pandemic, we're flying more. The schedules are loaded up. There's no flexibility. It puts a real stress on things. It is not an excuse for these types of horrific actions. Right. But the amount of pressure is tough. Thank you so much for joining us, Dennis. Thank you. Dennis Tager, spokesperson for the Allied Pilots Association. Steve's News is next on 720 WGN. Lisa D. 